Well done. That is a lot of, and next to me, and next to me, and next to me was doing this. But all those names, all those people, doesn't that just show what happens when we all work together? Like that, it's a lot. Imagine that in, in you know, 300 years, someone picks up a book about Telford Minster and it says, and next to Matt was Emily and Emily was building this part and Steph was building this part and Kevin was sanding the floor and James was fitting light bulbs. Like imagine that if you read that in 300 years time, wouldn't that be epic? And like reading, hearing that, I've read that through so many times over the last week and a half. But hearing it with Sarah, I was just like, wow, it really is a lot of, and so-and-so did this, and so-and-so did that. And to all of you that offered to read this week, aren't you glad that I gave it to Sarah? <laughs> so here we are in Nehemiah 3, and what a, a chapter it is, a chapter of working together. So as we delve into this, I just want to start with you to picture this. I want you to tap into your imaginations right now. Maybe close your eyes, whatever. But imagine this, you are famished. You haven't eaten for several days, but you've been invited to a banquet. So you're starving. You arrive and you are seated with the other guests at huge and huge platters of delicious smelling food are served. But then you discover that you have a rather serious problem. Your arms will not bend at the elbow. You can't get the food from the plate to your mouth. And then you learn that everyone else at the banquet has the same problem. No one can taste this feast unless he decides to go for it face first or he, she or he goes face first like a pig. But then one person gets an idea. They reach down with their fork and get a mouthful of food. With their stiff arm, they swing it over to the neighbor and their neighbor reciprocates. And soon everyone is feeding one another and enjoying the banquet. That's a rough picture of how I think God's people should function. God made us as individuals and we should not deny that. We all have our own wonderful, beautiful personalities, our own wonderful giftings, the things that we can do as individuals. But at the same time, he has made us interdependent individuals. We are many members, but we are one body in Christ. He wants us to learn to work together. God gave himself as three in one, as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But these three persons are in perfect unity and harmony, working together. And I really believe that God wants us to do that in his image, by working together in unity and harmony. But let's be really real here. That is far easier said than done. As people, we all have things that stop us from working together, our own things that make us not like somebody else or not wanna work with them or find it difficult to do this with somebody else or whatever. There's so many things that stop us from working together. And I find that really sad. But I also know that I'm, there's probably people here that might not wanna work with me or I find it difficult to work with some people. And it is heartbreaking. And the thing that I think that's sad, it must be devastating to God to watch us all fighting over what we want rather than what he wants. 
So how do we work together? Well, Nehemiah 3 here gives us a beautiful illustrative answer as how to account for dividing up labour, dividing up God's work of the people willing to do the hard stuff as they rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem under Nehemiah's leadership. There are, however, a number of different understandings of this passage. I know there is. I could talk to you about the allegories of the gates in this chapter assigned a spiritual meaning to each one. I could talk to you about the sheep gate referring to Christ, the good shepherd, where the Christian life must begin, about the fish gate referring to Christ's calling um, us to us, the fishers of men. The old gate means that we should reject all the modern newfangled ideas and get back to the old path etc etc or I could talk about the men working by the houses to deal with the importance of Christian family there is so much in this passage that just seems like a list of names of people stood next to each other but what I think Nehemiah teaches us is the importance of working together and I think that's what we need to hear today as Telford Minster that's what I think God wants us to reflect on because these people had a common vision to rebuild the wall. That Nehemiah, as a leader who had instilled that vision and all the people who got involved. We as Telford Minster all have a vision and that is to see the people of Telford or, the, or God's people, the people around us, come to know Jesus and I imagine that would be the same wherever we are if we when I was on the Wirral it was the people of the Wirral I want to want to come to know Jesus when I, we were in Chester people of Chester to come to know Jesus the people of Dudley to come to know Jesus but here in this place the common vision is for the people of Telford to come to know Jesus and we need a common vision or as Nick who's just joined us last week keeps saying agreed radical minimums which I love that phrase agreed radical minimums dedicated leaders and willing workers who want to do their part so how do we do this how does Nehemiah this this reading suggests that we should do it well there's three things I want to kind of look at you know perfect sermon three points with many other points within those three points obviously well, the first one is to accomplish God's purpose, we need a common vision for the task. You can't work together if everyone has a different notion of what we're trying to accomplish. If one person in Israel at that time had thought, I'm going to build a decorative fence, and the other guy envisioned a fortress, there would have been chaos reigning. If they, they wouldn't have gotten very far, it would have looked absolutely ridiculous. They needed a degree and a common vision so they could work together harmoniously. Their task was specific. It was to rebuild all around Jerusalem, to provide a defence against their enemies. But the church's task is not so easily achieved. Our task is to see the Great Commission fulfilled by proclaiming the gospel to every group of people on earth. But it's more than just telling people about Jesus. Their task requires us raising up churches, raising up people to lead those churches, to, to go out to tell people about Jesus, as it says in Matthew 28, verse 20. And the ultimate goal of God's purpose through his church is that he 
would be glorified. His name will be hallowed on earth as it is in heaven. Our goal is to spread the word of Jesus to the nations, proclaiming the gospel and helping all the saints to come to know Jesus as their greatest joy and treasure. That's my vision and I hope that's our vision as well. Because everything we do for the Lord should have that vision in mind. We have titles and everything of making Jesus known. And I, that, that is our vision, making Jesus known, but also raising them up, making disciples to go out to the many. Everything we do for God should have that vision in mind, even though that's not immediate obvious in every task that we do. For example, if you get an opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus Christ and they respond to the gospel, that's obviously related to making Jesus known, isn't it? But what about scrubbing the toilets? What about making a tea and coffee? What about hoovering? What about all the endless admin that Sarah has to do? What about those things too? What about the sound check beforehand? Helping with those tasks probably won't directly result in many souls being added to the kingdom. But even so, it's an important task that contributes to the overall cause. If no one chose to do it, it could seriously hinder the well-being of the church. Imagine if nobody ever cleaned the toilets or cleaned the kitchen. No one would want to come to our church because we'd be known as the church with the stinky toilets. Or someone could do it with a grumbling spirit, complaining about how insensitive others are who don't get involved. Or you can do it with a joy in your heart because God has saved you and made you part of his church. He gets the glory and your life radiates the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. Tam very early on said, I'll do those bits and bobs in the background. I'll clean the toilets. I'll get those jobs done. So you guys can go and tell people about Jesus. Last week, Kevin reminded us about the people that we need to be praying in the background. He was quite calling us and asking us, are we the people who are called to be quietly praying, to be the intercessors for the church? And this week, I'm asking you as well, this time, are you called to go and do the quiet things in the background that enables us to grow God's kingdom here in Telford? Our vision is to make Jesus known, to spread God's glory among his people by proclaiming the gospel and by helping all of the people to know Jesus Christ as their greatest joy and treasure. But to accomplish this, we also need dedicated leaders who can help everyone work towards common vision. Now, I undenied about talking about this point because I thought, well, actually, maybe this is just something I need to give to Matt and me and we'll chat about it. But then I thought, no, because there's so many leaders of us among us. And God is calling you guys to be raised up as leaders as well. Because, you know, there's, there's thousands of people in Telford. We can't all fit them. There's only 300 people that we can get into the Minster at one time. 
We need a lot of leaders. And our hope, our vision isn't just that we'll have one church, but many more churches come up across Telford. So we need leaders. So we need dedicated leaders who can help everyone work to the common vision. But what are those type of leaders look like? And this passage shows us again what that type of those leaders look like. The people listed in Nehemiah 3 had been living there for three years, but the walls didn't get built until God raised up Nehemiah to lead the charge. It's interesting that Nehemiah is actually never mentioned in this chapter, is referred to as a diff to a different man, but his labour is behind the whole chapter. And he did at least, set, at least a number of these things that good leaders do. First of all, Nehemiah didn't take the credit. Nehemiah didn't want a huge sign over the main gate or a bronze plaque reading the Nehemiah Memorial Wall. Imagine if our, the Telford Minster was called the Map Memorial Centre. I mean, we don't need any more to go to. I shouldn't say that when he's not here. That's mean. <laughs> but imagine that. Rather, Nehemiah was committed to the task. He wanted the wall to be built so that God's name would be exalted and all of Jerusalem and his people would no longer be a reproach. He motivated the people and the Jews had been back in the land for 90 years, but the wall still hadn't been built. But then Nehemiah came along and got everyone extremely excited and they went to work and put up the wall in record time, despite opposition. Here, motivation is key. So I am putting on my best excited voice and say, guys, come along, please come and join in with this. Help us build the kingdom here in Telford and tell all your friends and your neighbours about it and get them on board too. Because the difficult thing about motivating a group of people is, is what motivates some of the turnoffs of others. Even Nehemiah couldn't get the nobles of Tekoa to join the project. One wise way that Nehemiah motivated the people was to assign many of them to work on the portion of the war that they had a particular interest in. So the priests worked on the sheep gate where the people would bring sacrifices to the temple. Others repaired the wall in front of their own homes and they had a personal incentive to do a good job because no one wanted a wall outside their house that doesn't look good, did would they? But moving on from that, Nehemiah, he planned all of this as well. He motivated them and he planned and he organised. It's obvious from the smooth operation outlined in chapter three that Nehemiah had done some extensive planning and organising. He had figured out in advance how to go about this task. And we must be organised, but we also must be flexible to God's spirit. Who are you among you are the ones who are organised leaders, who can show us as well how to be leaders, but use those organisation skills to lead us to know Jesus. A leader must delegate. I, funny that, I should say that and read that and think half the time I want to be like a superwoman. I want to go out and save everyone in Telford personally. But that is not God's way. 
And that is what Nehemiah, he didn't do that here, couldn't possibly have built a wall on his own. I couldn't possibly go and build Telford Minster on my own. There is no way. And that is why God's called you here. So thank you guys for coming and thank you guys for partaking. But you are part of this too. And we're going to delegate jobs out to you. A leader must also oversee. And while Nehemiah delegated the work, you can be sure he went around inspecting the progress, talking to the leaders and getting to know them and helping them as well. I hope that you see that from us as we lead you guys as well. That as we lead you and, we, and you lead others, that we work with you, not against you, but with you and alongside you. And with that, we give you the proper recognition that you deserve for what all that you've done. Nehemiah wrote down in detail who was doing what on the project. All of those horrible names that Sarah just read out, he mentioned all of them. Some are mentioned as complementing more than one section of the wall, but the important thing was not that Nehemiah recognised every worker, but that God recognised them by including their names here. It's sometimes hard as a leader to give recognition to everyone in case you miss someone out. But in spite of that, we should be given proper recognition for a job well done and for work well done in God's kingdom. And lastly, a leader must not get distracted by those who are not cooperative. Nehemiah mentions in passing the nobles of Tekoa, who refused to join the project, as I said before. And they, to the noble shame, the people of Tekoa built two sections of the wall, and some nobles from other towns rolled up their sleeves and went to work as well. But Nehemiah didn't expend any energy on the nobles of Tekoa, rather he worked with many willing workers those who didn't get involved were their losses in the long run. And my last point I want to talk to you about today is that to accomplish God's purpose, we need willing workers who do their part. The people heard Nehemiah's vision and they responded, let's arise and build. I'm always amazed by you wonderful people that whenever I ask you, will you partake in this? You always do. You always say yes, or you're always so apologetic when you've got something really important to do, like go to work and you can't do something. Thank you for willing to be willing to always serve the Minster and the people of Telford. In this passage, while some worked in front of their homes, many others came from outlining cities to help. After the project was through, they returned home without any daily personal benefit. In a, word, in a world where people question why they do things if it doesn't benefit us, I think this is really important to remember. Lots of people ask me regularly, why do you want to help someone if you don't get anything back? Why, why do you do this? What is in it for you? Many, some of you might have had that as well. What is in it for you? Well, what is in it for me? Glory to God. I think that's a good enough reason. And I, I really feel 
really passionately that we as Christians should just carry on living the life of Jesus and showing a different way of living in a world where it's all that feel good feeling sometimes doing good things for people doesn't feel good <laughs> sometimes cleaning the toilets doesn't feel great but we do it for God's kingdom and we do it to serve him and give him the glory each of these people who have come far and wide in this passage couldn't all do the same job. Some worked on the walls, others worked on the gates. Hanging a large gate is not an easy task. Others had to do lighter work, but each worker was important to the cause. We read in 12 Corinthians in, um, from Paul that the body is not one member, but many. The foot dare not think that it's not a vital part of the body because it has not a hand. And a hand would be foolish to despise the foot. Each point has a specific and important function to fulfill. Each part depends on other parts in order for the whole body to function properly. And that requires all our different skills and abilities. And not too long ago, as a staff team, we did um, a Belbing training uh, with Dave Mack, which is a bit like uh, Myers-Briggs, those kind of thing to see what we're all good at. And whilst we seem to, most of us had one common thing, we all had something different. So nobody but Harry had the plant, which means is the big ideas man and full of many ideas. But without Sarah, to tell him he's being silly with her trait, where would we be? I do not know where we'd be, maybe on our way to Mars. But we all need our different skills and benefits to do this, this job that God has called us to do. But this also sometimes requires us to work outside our area. The priests got involved in building the sheep gate and a portion of the wall. They didn't learn how to do that at seminary. No one, when I, well, when I was trained to be a vicar, no one taught me how to build a wall. So when these guys were at theological college, as it were, ancient theological college, if that was a thing, they probably weren't taught about building, rather memorizing the Torah. So maybe they had to get some pointers on how to build and hang a gate from some of the men who were experienced in this sorts of things. I am, the other day, Jem came round to teach me how to write a handbook. I needed to learn that so that you guys can help you guys and what you need to know about the Minster. We need to work together and reap from one another and our ex other's areas of expertise. But some people will say, I'm not going to work on a cleanup area or be part of that because that's not my spiritual gift. Ever heard the phrase that God calls you, then equips you? That's what I hope to see more of at the Minster, God calling you and you saying, I can't do this, but then you realizing that God has equipped you and how to do it. Your spiritual gift should help you know where to concentrate your efforts, but there are many jobs where we all can pitch in, whether it's our gift or not. To point to Nehemiah three is that everyone got involved. The New Testament 
it's clear that if you're a Christian, you are in ministry, you are serving the Lord. It's part of being a follower of Jesus. And it tells us in Matthew 25 that someday we'll give an account of our ministry to the Lord. The danger is that one talent Christian will think that his part is insignificant if he doesn't use it to God. Because God wants you to use all of what you have for him. Even if you think it's not worthwhile, I am 100% sure the giftings that you have are worthwhile to the kingdom of God. So as we come into land here, one of the most, my favourite things about this passage is the goldsmith in the goldsmither goldsmith worker that is de described in this passage he would have been a man who dealt in finery but he is the man that chose to help build the dung gate the man with the one of the loveliest jobs dealing with cleanliness and things richness and things that people want dealt with the thing that most people wouldn't want to go near what is it God is calling you to do that others wouldn't want to go near? That is totally against what it is that you do in a, your vocation or in a day-to-day -day week that God is calling you to do here in Telford. Because God needs you. God needs you to do his work here in this place. And sometimes that means doing the things that don't give you any personal gain, anything you want, but rather gives God's, God to, it gives to God's kingdom instead. Sometimes you will be called to go and do the thing on your doorstep that does personally benefit you. I'm setting up a dog walking group to meet the people of Telford. That does benefit me because my dog gets walked. But sitting in endless meetings isn't always the most beneficial thing to me, but I know for the purpose of God's kingdom in the end, it will all be fruitful. So my challenge here for you today is are you in? Are you in to work selflessly for God's kingdom, to work alongside us? For me at the very last minute to ask you to do something big because I've been disorganized. For you to work alongside when somebody hasn't got an area of expertise, but you have it. Are you willing to give what you have to help grow God's kingdom here in this place? Because I so hope with all my heart that you are in. I'm going to pray for us just as we finish. God, I pray for these people here in Telford, these people who are in the surrounding areas across Shropshire as well, Lord, that you will speak to them about what, where you want them to be placed in this season, in this building of a new church in this place. 
I pray that we will all work together harmoniously to make Jesus known, to raise up people, that you will raise these people up as leaders for your kingdom, as the right kind of leaders for your kingdom. And you will use us to glorify your name. Amen.